Well, good morning, everyone. Are you happy to see me? Yes. I'm happy to see you. <laughs> see, the last couple of weeks, Kath and I have been fighting off the lurgy. Do you know what the lurgy is, yeah? It's something that gets right inside you, and you struggle, and you cough, and you splutter. And then when I'm just getting better, Kathy starts up. And guess what? Well, we share everything. Do you know what I mean? So I got it back again. So I've been struggling one with the other, and obviously I've kept out of other people's roads. Because my dear wife's got a kind of philosophy. See, when you're struggling with your health and your coughing, don't give it to anybody else. So don't go to church. Don't, don't do that because you're just spreading it. Because this is just an absolute hotbed of spreading things around. Because you actually hug people and talk to people and even kiss people and you go away with it. Whatever they have got, you go away with it as well. So I hope this morning it's a blessing and the anointing of the Holy Spirit you'll go away with let me read just a few verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Then I'll go into the few hundred words I've got I want to share with you this morning. This is Paul writing. He says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, or to believe that the rest of men who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and has risen again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And according to the Lord's own word, we tell you, that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. And the answer is, Amen. Hallelujah for that. Okay. Well, the Lord bless his word, and I'll just use it in a wee minute or two. See, a number of things go on in my particular life, and as we I study things that perhaps other people don't do, because every now and again that happened, started happening a few years ago, I began noticing that the Holy Spirit, who's the author of Scripture, he caused you, for whatever reason at the time, there we go, the Holy Spirit causes words to be repeated or phrases to be repeated over and over again. And for instance, when I was speaking in Oasis last month, I mentioned the fact that the word suddenly, and you'll find it in the story of the advent of Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, suddenly things happen. Well, suddenly is mentioned 87 times in the Bible. And you know that the angel said to Mary, said to Joseph, said to the shepherds, fear not. And that's mentioned 365 times in the Bible. The reason I'm saying that to you, because see, the Bible is written for all sorts of good reasons, and the Holy Spirit causes these things to be written for our edification, for our understanding, for our growing up. And I can guarantee you, if you've done a study on the fear knots, the 365 times, you'll find yourself in there. Because we're talking about real life and people in real life situations, we're told, fear not. And again and again, I'm sure there have been times when you welcome that from the Lord, fear not, because I am with you. I'll see you right through this. And it kind of struck to my heart when the first time I listened to your, your new pastor, that's the 7th of January, he actually did a reading from John chapter 15. And I don't know if you remember it because sometimes you don't remember. But I remember this guy, what he said. He said that day when Jesus was speaking, he was the vine, the disciples were the branches. When he was speaking to the disciples, he used one word, one word some seven times. Seven times, and I'm sitting there because I didn't have a Bible in front of me at the time. 
And I thought, I wonder what that word is. Why would the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, if you like, say one word seven times to the disciples? And that word was remain. 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 Remain seven times. Now the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the word of God. So why would the word of God, who is not short of a word of two, use the same word seven times in seven verses? Why? I wonder if that means anything to you this morning. I mean, isn't there circumstances in your life the Lord would say to you, remain. Just remain where you are. Don't try and change it. Don't fight about it. Just remain where you are. And that's what God had to say through his son to the disciples, okay? So these are the kind of things that really intrigue me. I like to just follow up. And it's amazing the kind of things that you find. So for a few minutes today, I want to speak about something which is mentioned in 40 books out of 66 books in the Bible. Now, would you agree with me if the Holy Spirit causes something to be written in 40 books out of 66, it must be quite important. That's for yes and that's for no, okay? (laughs) Let me tell you. In the Old Testament, it's mentioned in 17 books out of 39. 17 books out of the 39. And it's mentioned 1,185 times. Okay, this subject I'm going to speak about in the Old Testament in 17 books is mentioned 1,185 times. Going to the New Testament, and it's mentioned in 23 books out of the 27. 23 books out of the 27, and it's mentioned 318 times. Now take 1,185 and 318 and put them together. What have you got? It's a lot, isn't it? (laughs) It's a lot. And it's 2,163. Now when the Holy Spirit of God, who is the author of the Bible, mentions something 2,163 times, guess what? It must be something. It's just got to be something, and it's such an impact when you start reading, it takes you a long time to follow 2,000 references, I can assure you. Because when you get to one, you get another one, another one, another, and you're away on a tangent unless you know what you're doing. Okay? So I'm saying this to you to encourage you. Because when you have a look at these references, you'll find it's speaking about something that is very, very important. Something we talk about yet, to be honest, in the 18 years, Kathy and I have been back up here from Wales. We've never heard any pastor or any minister ever preach on this subject. We hear it on the internet, we can hear it on YouTube, we can hear it all sorts of, but I never heard it in any church in 18 years as a, a retired pastor. I've never heard anybody preach about it. Do you know what it is? You know what the subject is mentioned 2,163 times? It's the second coming of Christ. Do you think that's important? Yes. Yeah, it is. 2,163 times the Holy Spirit mentioned the second coming. And so guess what? I embarked on a big long reading spell. And the thing that you discover very quickly when you want to get into these, when you go back into the Old Testament, you've got Jeremiah, you've got Zephaniah, you've got Ezekiel, you've got Micah, you've got Malachi. All these scriptures are there. And when you go into the New Testament, you've got 23 books to go through out of 27. And when you start putting all this together, you get a real composite picture. You really do. Now, it's not a five-minute job. It's not, I'll just do it before I get a cup of tea. Get your cup of tea and do it with your cup of tea because you'll be there for a long time. The reality is when you go through this, you begin to discover something. Now, I've heard in the past, I've preached to myself on the second coming of Christ, but what I noticed in reading 2,163 times, 
and begin to discover under the overall title of the second coming of Christ, you've got a whole number of individual events, right? You've got events like the coming of the Lord, You've got the day of judgment. You've got the day of wrath. You've got the day of resurrection. You've got the day of God's mercy. You've got all sorts of individual events under the whole banner of the second coming of the Lord. Now, the second coming is an individual event, but it still covers a banner. And so what I'd like to do just for a few minutes is speak to you about one of the most startling, one of the most amazing, wonderful events in all of human history that's going to happen quite soon. Are you interested? That's for yes and that's for no. See, if you're not interested, I'll just go and sit down and you can have another song, okay? See, the reality is I want to speak for a few minutes about the coming of the Lord. That's mentioned specifically 140 times, that one phrase, the coming of the Lord. And I want to speak of the coming of the Lord in the sense that he's coming back for the church. He's coming back to rescue the church, as we have been singing. Rescue the church from any wrath that might follow on. He's coming to rescue the church. He's coming to take the church with himself, as he promised, yeah? And you know exactly how he's going to do it. Because in Acts chapter 1, you've got the apostles standing there watching the Lord Jesus Christ ascending right up into the sky until he disappeared in the clouds. And they're standing there looking to see if there's any gaps. Could he still see where he is? When the angels appeared, and what did they say to him? Why did he stand here looking up without knowing this, that the same Jesus that you've followed going up is going to return in like manner. Yeah? So the coming of the Lord is telling us something. The Lord is going to come back and he will meet the believers in the air. But that will happen in a very spectacular way. Very spectacular way because when Jesus gives a call, when the archangel gives a shout, when the trumpet of God sounds, millions and millions of believers will go whoosh. Because the rapture means in a sense caught up, seized up, dragged away in some instances because some people don't want to leave this place at all. But that happens in a wonderful way. Millions of people, those who have trusted and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have been born again of the divine, the divine DNA, the Holy Spirit seed did like, they'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall they ever be with the Lord. There is something more attached to that follow through. Because, see, the Lord's going to call those who are born-again believers. Now, I've met lots of people who say they're believers, but they don't know what it's like to be born of the Holy Spirit. They don't know what it's like to be born of the incorruptible spermatosa of God. They just don't know what that means. And in reality, that's required before you become identified in the sight of the Lord. Because when the Lord comes back to meet the clouds, to meet the church in the air, he's going to give a shout. And only those who are born-again believers will hear hear the archangel and they hear the trumpet of God. Yeah. And they will meet him in a one-to-one -one basis in the clouds of the air. Now that is staggering. If you just take a wee minute and think about it. Every believer that you can think about in here and anywhere else will suddenly disappear from this life. As the Bible talks about two are walking, one will go away, one is in a bed, the other one goes away. All sorts of things like that. And so it's an amazing, wonderful, startling event that's going to take place called the rapture of the church. Yeah, the rapture of the church. And the wonderful thing is this. When you and I are born again of the Holy Spirit, we're described in the Bible as a new creation. A new creation, yeah? But the reality is we're still in this body. And Paul, writing to the Corinthians in chapter 15, says, this flesh and body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's not fit for purpose. 
So are we here on earth, if we get caught up to meet the Lord in the earth, something else is going to happen. And it happens with Paul said, we shall become like the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will see him as he is, and he will see us as we are. And we will change in an instant. Now, I'm sure you must be pleased with that. Because could you imagine being locked up with some of these folk here for the rest of eternity? <laughs> it would be a real hardship. It really would be. But the reality is, when you become a believer, and you're born in the incorruptible seed of God, when you get raised up to meet the Lord in the air, then the next transformation is going to take place. Because the mortal must put immortality. The perishable must put on imperishable. The temple must put on the eternal, right? And all these things are going to happen in the cloud, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah? And the dead in Christ, it said, will rise first. And we who are alive will caught up together to meet them in the clouds of the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that passage ends up saying, encourage yourself with that. Encourage yourself. You mean, how would you like to say to the one next to you, you know, I'm going, are you going? I'm going, are you going? Yeah, because the reality is some people will not be going. But the wonderful thing is this, when we rise up to meet the Lord in the air, we will meet all those who have gone before. Is anybody looking forward to that? Think about it. You're talking about children, you're talking mothers, fathers, grannies, uncles, whatever, friends. Call it what you like. We're going to meet each other in the air. And you know something? There'll be no criticism. There'll be no condemnation. There'll be no gossip. Do you know why? Because we'll be changed. Changed into the likeness of Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to think about it. So you think about that reunion for a minute. Can you think of some people you're really looking forward to seeing again? Yeah. We obviously, Cass and I talk about wanting to see our daughter again. Lovely just to see her. And just to experience all the wonderful things it was like before she was taken away from us. Yeah. And you can add to that Cathy's dad and so on and so on. All sorts of wonderful people that blessed our lives. But I want you to think of something. See, when the believers go away, I'll have another wee drink. Excuse me. See, when the, the believers go away from this earth, a lot of wonderful things are going to happen for us as believers, but for those who are left behind, what do you think it's going to be like? See, the Bible says that the believers are salt and light. Now, when the salt has left this earth, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah? When the light has left, what do you think is going to happen? Because you and I live in a world today, and we've been seeing it as we're getting older and older, you see the change and the change and the change all the time going right through our world. And the reality is when the believers go away, millions of them go away, millions of people who are left, because in Britain alone there's something like 65 million people live in Britain. And so millions of people will be left behind because they never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They never asked Jesus Christ to be their saviour. They never asked him to come into their life, so they'll be left behind. They might be religious, they might be good works, whatever, but they'll be left behind. Now, can you imagine, and I'm just asking you to imagine it, can you imagine the consternation? Can you imagine the confusion? Can you imagine the shock, horror, when hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that you have spoken to, that you have lived beside, that you have witnessed again and again about Jesus, say, no, I'm not interested. And all of a sudden, you're gone. You're gone and they're left behind. And somewhere, somewhere in the midst of all that confusion and consternation, the penny's going to drop. I wish I'd listened. I wish I'd responded. I wish I'd really been open to you, listen to what that man was saying or that woman was saying, etc., etc. 
The sad thing about it, when you follow through what the scripture said, when you go through the day of the Lord, you go through the day of wrath, the day of judgment, you go through all these different days, a lot of incredible things are going to take place in our world, many of which are not very nice. They are not at all. But the believer will be spared that because we sung, he rescues us. Because even go back into 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians, you're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ who rescues us from the wrath which is to come. So the people who live in this earth are going to have a real hard time. And now the wonderful thing about it when you follow through these references, you can actually get the real hint that during that time of trouble or wrath or difficulty or pain or whatever, there'll be a, a, a surge of evangelism. Mass evangelism will break out during the whole time. Do you try and think, who do you think would be left in this earth be willing to take up like the gospel message? Who knows the Bible like that? Who knows that Jesus was to be the Messiah? Who knows? Who knows? And you can work that out for yourself because many people just haven't a clue what we're talking about. They don't have the Bible. They don't listen to the Bible. But there are thousands of people who do. And some of these will be called by God into evangelism. They'll start preaching what it's all about. You should listen to Jesus. Jesus was the Messiah. And you should have listened when you were told about it. That's why we've been left behind. Yeah. Something like Hollywood could make a great job of making those who are left behind. Yeah. Let me just tell you something. See, the, the believers are away because they've been raptured up by Christ, okay? They've been totally changed into the likeness of Christ in the air. And then they're taken further from that up into glory. The rapture, is, the word itself is never mentioned in the Bible by the word rapture. It actually is based on the original word called harpazo. H-A-R-P-A-Z-O, harpazo, yeah? And it means caught up. It means swept up. It means snatched. It means seized up, just... A supernatural event taking you up into the clouds, as it were, right? The truth, when you read that and begin to see what it's all about, I think some people probably struggle with the whole concept of it. Because in many ways, if you're a believer and Christ has come back and he calls your name, when he calls out, come up here, come up hither, as he said to John in Revelation, if he says the same thing to you, it's only you who will hear it. Unbelievers won't hear it. It's only believers who will hear the call of the Lord. Only believers will respond and only believers will be lifted up to meet him in the clouds in the air. Okay? So this word rapture is based upon the, the original word harpazo. It means caught up, seized up, swept up, etc. And you can find it in various scriptures. You can see it in John chapter 10, Acts, Acts chapter 8. You've also got 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where this word is used again and again, swept up, caught up, just moved on in a supernatural expression, okay? What I'd like to suggest to you something. See, I know that many people think that the coming of the Lord and the second coming of the Lord are the two, the self-same thing. And I want to suggest something they are not. Now, I'm only suggesting it to you because if there's 2,000 references to this, there must be a lot of opinions. There must be a lot of variation of opinions. 2,000 references. So you can come it that way or that way. So let me suggest something. Maybe you could do this in your spare time. You know, everybody's got spare time somewhere or other. Get a piece of paper and write down one column, the coming of the Lord, the rapture. And then another column, the second coming of the Lord. And then start from these references, start filling in the columns. The Lord, the coming of the Lord, he's going to come to the air. Going to come back to what and remain in the air. The second coming, he's coming straight down to earth to touch the top of Mount Olive, okay? When you go back to the first coming of the Lord, he's going to come down to the air only and he's going to call the believers up to him and he'll take the church with him back to heaven. 
But in the Lord Jesus, when he comes in the second, he's bringing the church with him from heaven down to earth to deal with various things. When you look at the coming of the Lord, there is no judgment for the believer. But you go to the second coming, there's judgment. When you go to the coming of the Lord, there's no wrath being expressed. There's only when they get appear in the beamer seat of Christ, they've got rewards. Whereas the second coming, there's punishment, there is wrath to be expressed. And it's the coming of the Lord Jesus, not coming back for Armageddon, that's going to happen as a result of the second coming. He's not coming back to defeat his enemies. That will happen in the second coming. He's not coming back to separate the sheep from the goats. That will happen in the second coming. And what I'm saying to you, if you start taking with the references that's there, you can build a composite picture so in a sense, you know what you believe because other people can see otherwise. I'm saying to you, brother and sister, it's a fantastic study to do. See, in the days when I was in the Baptist college, way back in the 70s, we had no mobile phones. We had no laptops. We had no PCs. We had nothing but books. And some of the books were so heavy, you need to get a crank to lift it off the shelves. Yeah? And you couldn't lift them anywhere to get them a photocopier. They'd break the photocopier. So we spent hours and hours and hours of reading and writing, reading and writing. That's what we did. But I tell you, once you've done that and you've absorbed it, you've absorbed it, you don't forget it, yeah? And so I'm saying to you, brother and sister, if you go back and follow these references, you'll build a composite picture, you'll really know what you know and you're sure that they're sure. Because if somebody says to you, oh, by the way, what's this thing called the rapture? Well, what is the rapture? Well, I'm just after telling you, it's based on being swept up, being carried up, being caught up, and to meet the Lord in the air. And what's the purpose of that? For complete transformation to move from where you are, the new creature in Christ, to become fully transformed into the likeness of Christ. Yeah? And then that means you're fit for purpose. You're fit to go into heaven. Without that happening, you can't get into heaven because this body is not suitable for heaven. This body certainly isn't suitable for heaven, right? So the reality is all that's got to take place in what's known as a rapture, okay? So the reality, when you follow that through, brother and sister, you can see a lot of things taking place. And I encourage you to do that kind of transfer the transformation one and the other. It's a wonderful study, okay? Now let me go on further. See, when the believers got taken in the likeness of Christ up into heaven, what's going to happen? We're all just going to sit about and twiddle our thumbs. What are we going to do? For a start, you can imagine this. When God has planned and purposed this for millions and millions, he's got a good plan for us all. And one thing that's going to first happen is the believers will be called individually to face the Lord Jesus Christ at the seat called the Bema's seat, the Bema seat of judgment. Not to be judged, not to be uh, penalized or anything like that, but to be rewarded for your work, for your service, for your obedience to the word of God and your walk before men and before women. That's what's going to happen. Now, why would all that be possible? Do you know why it's possible? Because the next major thing that's going to happen eventually will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when the holy, spotless bride of Christ, which is the church of Jesus Christ completely transformed into the likeness of the Christ of God. That's who I'm talking about. When the Haggai, the holy ones of God, the saints of God, are brought to be the bride of Christ, a wonderful, wonderful celebration in all of eternity. And you know somebody will be surrounded by myriads and myriads of angels. And do you know why? Somebody who saw that years ago, nobody started singing, oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, and so you know the song, okay? And the reality is, oh, that's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Oh, the angels are there to greet and to meet the believers who are taken up into heaven, transformed into the likeness of Christ. 
to be then married, as it were, as the bride of Christ to the bridegroom, who is Jesus. Yeah. And the reality is this, brother and sister, because there's so many, so many opinions could be made about the rapture. Do you know something? It doesn't matter if you're a believer. It doesn't matter whether you believe in the rapture or you don't believe in the rapture. Do you know why? It's going to happen anyway. So whether you accept it's going to happen at that point, before the tribulation, in the middle of tribulation, after, it doesn't matter all that. It really doesn't. Because if you're a born-again believer, born of the incorruptible spermatosa of God, when you're born of divine DNA, when you're born of the nature of Christ, you are going to be taken by the Lord up to the air to meet him and you'll be totally changed. Totally changed into the likeness of the Christ of God. So whether you believe in the rapture or you don't believe in the rapture, it's going to happen. And do you know why it's going to happen? You listen to this. It's because you as an individual man or woman of God, you've got a date with destiny. You have a date with destiny. See, when I'm searching through all those scriptural references, and it takes you a long time to do it, you build up this picture and you begin to see, hey, you know something? All of this was for me. Oh, by the way, for you as well. Okay. And I'm saying it. Listen to what I'm saying. When you understand, you through all these references, the Holy Spirit has caused to be written and obviously collated for our benefit, they're there. And if you want even help for Alexa, when you go, if you've got an Alexa, ask Alexa, what is the second coming meaning? Alexa, what's the coming of the Lord? Ask Alexa, she'll soon tell you. She'll refer you to Google, but that's where I end up. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, I say to you, brother and sister, there's a whole minefield of things in the scripture that many people very, very even touch it. They just pass over it. And I'm saying to you, brother and sister, if the second coming Lord is mentioned 2,163 times, it's very important because it's telling you something. Whether it's the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, the day of judgment, the day of resurrection, whether it's any of these at all, it's telling you this, you have got a date with destiny. So whether you're alive or whether you're dead, or whatever it might be, you have a date with destiny, because the Lord is going to, he's going to shout you. We read Revelation chapter 1. The Apostle John says, I heard the voice saying, Come up hither, come up hither. And John says, instantly, in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, it was there. He could hear the voice of the Lord, and he turned down, and the sight was absolutely awesome. And I ask you, brother and sister, when you read through these scriptures, take your time. Even go back to that scripture that I read. The Apostle Paul says, we have it by the word of the Lord that this is what's going to happen. And guess what? When the Lord says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So, brother and sister, I'm going to leave you with these few hundred words and ask you to go back and search for yourself. Go back to Google. You've probably got a Google. You've got a smartphone. Maybe you've got a laptop. Ask Google, what does it mean the second coming? What does it mean the coming? What does it mean the day of the Lord? Ask these things. And then get the scriptures out and take time, because it'll take time, but it'll bless your soul. When you can stand in front of your mirror, you know the mirror you've got where you go, hello, how are you doing? You know how you stand there and make sure you're okay before you go out the door? Just stand there, even today when you go back home and just say, you know, Lord, I thank you. See all that stuff that Jim was talking about? That's for me. And I thank you that you've done that. Your love for me was so great. You planned the purpose, all that just for somebody like me. In my case, I never gave God two minutes of my time. I never had a Bible. I never went to church. I never did any of those things until the Christ of God broke into my life. And he gave me a hunger. He gave me a thirst. I've never forgotten. He never left me. To get to know more and more and more and communicate more and more. 
And so I ask you, brother and sister, get your Bible out. Sit before the Lord with your Bible and say, Lord, where do you want me to go today? When it takes you to Zephaniah, Zechariah, when you go to Revelation, whatever it might be, you can be sure the Lord will speak to you. As I'm saying to you, 2,163 times the second coming is mentioned, but you can sit there and you'll find it mentions the coming of the Lord, it mentions the second coming, it mentions the day of justice, the day of righteousness, and the day of wrath. It says all those things. You're able to have a picture and point to somebody. And so when you talk to somebody who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, fine, well, if they don't know the Lord when the rapture happens, and all the scholars are saying it's imminent, it's imminent, if nothing's particularly happened prophetically before that happens. Indeed, the scholars say that subject I've referred to is the most prophetically announced Bible event in the whole Bible. So I'm saying to you, brother and sister, study the Word of God and let it dwell richly within you and find yourself changed again and again into the likeness of the Christ of God. So let me pray for you, and I'll go and sit down. Our God and our Father, we do thank you for your We thank you how it's real. It can reach those parts that nothing and nobody can possibly reach us. So we pray, Father God, for each one of us that are gathered here this morning, those who know the Christ of God, those perhaps even thinking about it. We ask you, Father God, to bring your word to us so we can read it together and get to know all these wonderful things that are prepared for us and planned for us in your heart and mind for us. So, Lord God, we ask you in Jesus' name, lead us to your word, cause it to become alive and real and rich in our heart. We could take it and share it with the other ones that we love, our people we mix and mingle with day after day, day after day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. band are going to come up um, and sing a song now. Thanks, Jim. We can easily live our lives and forget what's coming, can't we? When I first started going to church, when I was 13, I went to Elam Church in Sunderland, and I didn't know anything about Christianity. And on a Sunday evening, they used to have a turn in the service. It wasn't really a turn, but somebody used to get up every week and sing a song, whether they could sing or not. And one week... Um, a group of girls got up, and I'm talking a long time ago, and they sung a song about the second coming. It was called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. One of the lines was, yeah, two men walking up a hill, one disappeared, one's left standing still. And that really spoke to my heart as someone who didn't know the Lord. And that dwelt in my heart for a long time, not as a fear, as a nag, what happens if they're right and I'm wrong and I'm not ready? And that's one of the things that ultimately brought me to the Lord. So if you're here today and you don't know for sure that when the Lord returns, you're going to be with him, then please, you know, do something about it. Speak to me, speak to Jim, speak to whoever you brought, who brought you here today. But don't just let it lie because we don't know when that day is going to be. Amen.